You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, episode number 80. Hey guys, happy Monday. So, have you heard of the book, What to Expect When You're Expecting? I'm sure that you have, because it's very popular. This week, I had Sharon Mazel come onto the podcast, and we talked about pregnancy myths versus facts. That's always a fun topic, um, because there's a whole lot of myths out there, <laughs> and a whole lot of facts. So just a little bit about Sharon. Sharon is a pregnancy and parenting expert, parenting coach, speaker, and Instagram influencer. She offers popular online parenting courses and e-guides that help new parents feel more confident as they navigate their new roles as mom and dad. She's got a really cool Instagram page too. Like I said, she's, she's an Instagram influencer. So she's got over 140,000 followers who interact with her daily on Instagram where she posts informative pregnancy and parenting content daily and hosts regular Q&As, just like we do on over on Mommy Labor Nurse. So we have a lots in common. So this week we talked about myths like... Um, fertility myths in terms of like like eating certain things to help your fertility. We talked about morning sickness and some myths surrounding morning sickness. Um, we also talked about sex and inducing labor and just, I'm not going to spoil everything, but it's, we talked about some really good ones that a lot of these, um, a lot of these I knew, but some of them I definitely did not know. So they were news to me. So without further ado, let's get into Sharon's episode all about pregnancy myths versus facts. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where we firmly believe in the power of education when it comes to giving birth. Tune in each week as we dive into pregnancy-related topics, expert interviews, and a variety of birth stories. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now, here's your host, educator, registered nurse, and fellow mom, Liesl Teen. Wondering what you need to do to stay on track during each week of pregnancy? Not sure what you need to be learning or researching along the way? I can help. Sign up for our free weekly pregnancy series to get tips, advice, and resources tailored to your exact week of pregnancy sent straight to your inbox every week. Sign up at mommylabornurse.com slash I am pregnant to get your first email today. See you in your inbox real soon. Hi, Sharon. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be yeah. on your podcast today. Yay, awesome. Well, can you just start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and your family, where you're from, who you who you are? <laughs> <laughs> sure. So I'm Sharon Maisel. Um, I am a pregnancy and parenting expert. I've been in this field for, gosh, over 20, 23 years already. I, um, I know, long time. Yeah. I have four kids of my own. So not only do I know um, this information from all the writing and research that I do, but also from living it. Yeah. Um, I am a speaker, a coach. I give classes. Many of them are virtual now because of the pandemic, but that's even yeah. better because I get to meet moms and dads from really everywhere, um, from the comfort of my own home and everybody's own home. And I'm on Instagram a lot at Sharon Maisel, where I do Q&As all the time. And I love interacting with new parents and I'm posting stuff daily, um, you know, the latest research and bite-sized parenting information on that. 
Yeah, no, that's that's so cool. Now, I was so excited when you uh, sent me a message. I was like, ooh, <laughs> this will be very interesting. I want to hear your story. Um, so will you tell me how you got started with What to Expect? Sure. So I um, actually uh, am a journalist by trade. I, my background is in television journalism. Okay. I um, was a writer and producer in New York for Nightly News. And after the birth of my first daughter, I went back to work, but my hours were 3 to 11 at night. And it was really difficult with a newborn who, yeah. um, you know, as, as we all know, as moms, it was yeah. difficult to have those hours. So um, I left the television world. And, and I should say that the television world was, I was one of the few um, women who had babies at the time. They didn't even have the station that I was at, didn't even have a maternity leave policy because oh, wow. no one had babies, um, you know, when, when they were trying to, to build up their TV career. So yeah. I was, I guess, a forerunner for there, for, for that station. Um, but I decided to leave after going back for a little bit. It was just too difficult. And I um, connected with the original authors of the book, Mm-hmm. Um, the books, and um, I, they were looking for someone to help with research and writing, and I did that. And I'm really proud of you know my work on yeah. the brand. Um, we launched a website. Uh, we added all these books into the series, and um, I love I love the topic, and so I'm I'm thrilled that I can continue to do it. And I love that I'm always learning new things and able to share information um, in new ways. I mean when. When I started, there was no social media for um, for for moms or for anyone for that matter. So I love that I could reach so many um, new parents in in a different platform. Mm -hmm. Well, you and I speak the same language because I completely agree. (laughs) That's you know, social media. I think uh, can be harmful in a lot of ways, but. I, at least what what we do at Mommy Labor Nurse is like, we kind of look at it like people are going to be on social media anyway. So why don't we try and be like a positive educational uh, point or educational um, uh, place where people can learn education instead of, you know, doing harmful things on social media, like, you know, just I mean, you know how social you can get addicted. Um, So it's like, you know, might as well put the information out there. So. No, so I, true. I totally, totally it's so it. true. And and I think especially when we're talking about moms in particular, new parents, of course, in general, especially on social media, where there is a lot of judgment and mommy shaming and perfection, yeah. right? This image of the perfect, you know, mom with her newborn just two days after giving birth and her stomach is flat and she's back in shape and oh, she's yeah. happy every day. And it's just not the reality for, first of all, even for that blogger or influencer, right? Um, It's carefully curated, but it's certainly not the reality for the rest of us and for, you know, 99.99% of new parents. And so if we can be, um, you know, the, the, the people getting that, that message out and also giving really evidence-based information um, so that parents can be informed and then make their own informed choice when it comes to what they want to do with, their pregnancy choices or their parenting choices. And I think that social media is such a wonderful tool to be able to do that. Yeah, I agree. Well, guys, today we are going to do an episode all about myths and facts in pregnancy, in postpartum, in birth and everything. So I figure, Sharon, you want to start off and do you want to start with some trying to conceive or first trimester myths and, and bust them or 
Well, I'll, I'll let you start. <laughs> sure. I, I actually love this topic because yeah. so many myths get perpetuated over the years. Your mom might tell you something. Your grandma might tell, might tell you yeah. something. Your friends. And, and we were just talking about social media. And on social media, there is so much of uh, you know the perpetuation of myths. And, and so it's hard to wade through what is true and what is not. And I always, uh, my motto was always evidence-based, you know, whatever the studies show, whatever the medical organization. Right are saying or the midwife organizations and you know let's make sure that we have accurate information and not just myths so I'm so excited to talk right. about this today um, and yeah let's start with something fertility I think that's something that um, is really a fun myth and I think a lot of our myths today will be fun but a fun one is about fertility foods and so many um, people will talk about oh I ate this and I got pregnant right away or you have to eat that to um, to, you know, and then and then you know you'll be able to conceive really quickly, and there there are many of them, <laughs> and the truth is is that the studies show that well the sci there is no science to back them up. The good news is, and I'll and I'll mention a few of them, but the good news is that, that there are no studies that have actually rebutted them either. So it it they may be a myth, but they may not, and most of them are healthy foods, so it doesn't really matter. So. There's a myth about yams, that if you eat yams, you will have an easier time conceiving. And and Lisa, do you know where that one came from? Have you ever heard the okay, reason for that? So I think so, but I'm not going to sound very smart if I start talking about it, because I, <laughs> I think it's from a, a certain country in somewhere and they eat a lot of yams there and their fertility rates are really high or something. Yes. Am I somewhat? Yes. Okay, you, okay. you are right. <laughs> you are exactly on track. I also, I can't remember offhand where it is, okay, but there okay. is a country where the staple of their diet are yams. And we're not talking about sweet potatoes. Yams are different than sweet potatoes. Yeah. Um, they eat a lot of yams and they have one of the highest rates of twin pregnancies okay. in the world. <laughs> so, um, so you're, you're right on target. You got okay, it. Okay. Yay. <laughs> so that's where that myth comes from. And again, there's nothing wrong with eating yams because yeah. it's a healthy food. Yeah. And um, but uh, there's no proof that eating yams will either help you get pregnant quicker or will um, help you conceive twins. But it's a fun it's a fun little fact. Um, a lot of people say, oh, you have to eat lots of nuts and seeds or berries or oysters or pomegranate juice. And again, all these are healthy foods, so there's nothing wrong with it. But studies haven't shown that they will actually help you conceive. But I'll just I'll quickly mention. So the reason why nuts and seeds are up there is because they are high in omega-3 fatty acids. Mm. And those are really healthy and they help to regulate hormones. So, yeah, so it might help you get pregnant faster. Um, oysters. Sense right? Oysters really high in zinc. And um, zinc deficiency, there have been some studies that have shown that zinc deficiency can decrease fertility. So that's where that, you know, story or myth or little old wives tale came into being. There is some proof, though, that um, increased zinc in guys will help with their sperm count. So that's also where that comes from. Okay, bring on the zinc. <laughs> exactly. Bring on those oysters. Um <laughs> And then berries have a lot of antioxidants, um, and antioxidants are good for us in so many ways, yeah. but there also is some evidence that antioxidants can protect your eggs. And so that's where that, that's why berries come into this fertility food myth um, category. 
And and the last one actually there's is pomegranate juice. And pomegranate juice for men has been shown to increase sperm count. And the thinking is that the vitamin C in the pomegranate juice is what's doing it. So again, all healthy foods, and there's no reason not to eat it, but don't eat them in, you know, in excess in order to conceive because it's right. just it's just not it's not one of those proven those proven things. Right, right. And I would say if you let's say you hate berries or you hate one of these foods, like don't don't just force yourself to eat these foods just because, you know, you've heard that they that that you know there's some evidence to show that 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 you know, it'll help you conceive, but exactly. Yeah. Like don't for don't force yeah, feed don't, yourself don't oysters. Don't force feed <laughs> yourself. I know I'm not a big oyster fan myself. So me neither. <laughs> it's a consistency thing for me. Like imagine if we had to, right? In order yeah. to conceive, you must eat. Yeah. So right. luckily there are no foods that fall into the right. you must eat category. <laughs> right. Right. All right. Well, let's move on to first, maybe first trimester, any kind of maybe like nausea, uh, myths or first trimester myths (laughs) first trimester so you mentioned nausea so we could talk about nausea morning sickness will happen to a lot of women I think the the statistics are something like 75 percent of women but um it's such a misnomer morning sickness because um it can happen in the morning or in the afternoon or at night and a lot of women get really freaked out if they are feeling sick in the afternoon and they're like, oh, no, something's wrong with me or my baby or my yeah. pregnancy because it's called morning sickness. And so I don't know if that's as, as much a myth as it is just a, a, um, a bad term <laughs> for the nausea that women will experience. Right. It, it, uh, and I wish, they, I wish you could change it to just like sickness <laughs> like for, like <laughs> pregnancy sickness or something because you're you're right it's truly not morning sickness i mean i think i remember it almost not happening in the morning for me more often it would happen at night for me or like after i would eat um i would eat a meal sometimes i would get nauseous um so it's like it it's almost it was almost opposite for me and i think that happens to a majority of people but yeah you're right it's totally not not that's a that's a very incorrect term <laughs> it is well you know you mentioned there should be a better term in the medical profession they call it nvp nausea and vomiting of pregnancy so so they they do have that right I, but it yeah. hasn't come down to to the rest of us where we just yeah. talk about it there's some there i guess morning sickness has a better ring to it but it definitely is misleading and um yeah. and i love to debunk that myth only because it helps ironically it helps calm um, you know, expectant moms down because they realize, oh, okay, it's yeah. not only supposed to be in the morning and, and I'm okay. And, you know, I'm okay. The, another myth about, and since we're on the topic of the nausea, yeah. another myth is that if you don't have, um, well, either if you do have nausea or if you don't have nausea, then there's something wrong with your pregnancy too, or it's a bad sign. Mm. And that's not true because I had, I mentioned I had four, four children. So each of my four pregnancies, I did not have any nausea. Now, I know people are oh, going to hate me for that. <laughs> I'm sorry. But really, there, there's like a nausea center that we have all the time, pregnant or not. And some people just get nauseated more, more often or are more yeah. likely to feel nauseous than other people. And I have other things, but nausea is not one of them. Like I'll get headaches or I'll get mm-hmm. other stuff in my life in general. I'm not, I rarely throw up. So my pregnancies were easy in, in that regard. But um, so, so there's no, there's no, there's no rule that says that you have to have morning sickness when you're pregnant. 
And, um, and another very reassuring thing is that if you do have morning sickness, it's not a bad sign. It's actually, there have been some studies that have shown that um, it's very protective. So it's actually yeah. a good sign if you're throwing yeah. up and feeling gross. That's what I've heard too. It's, it's like, if you're starting to feel sick, it's a good sign that your, that your pregnancy is all, all good things are happening. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. No. And I think it's also, I'll add to that a myth that if you have really bad, well, I almost said morning sickness, uh, (laughs) pregnancy, nausea and vomiting in pregnancy, um, you're going to have it again with your second or your third or your fourth pregnancy. Uh, that's just, I mean, that just, that myth is just that all pregnancies come with different symptoms. But I will say with mine, with my first one, I was really nauseous all the time in that first trimester. I didn't vomit a whole lot, but just like all day, just sickness. And then my second one, I had, I was at like six weeks and I had a little bit of nausea and I would have it a little bit after meals. But for the most part, I I avoided the, the nausea. So it's definitely a myth that you know, just because you had it in your first pregnancy or just because you didn't have it in your first pregnancy, it's going to be the same way, you know, for your subsequent pregnancies. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's a good reminder even early on that every pregnancy is different and every yes. child is different. And so, yes. um, you know, the, it, you, we all expect that it will be the same uh, each time because it's our bodies. But um but it's not true. And, and, and often first pregnancies will have more um, nausea and vomiting just because it's the first time that your body's going through it. So, um, but also that's not an absolute either. So it could be the opposite too. I know I said, I never really had nausea or vomiting, so I didn't really ever vomit, but my second pregnancy, I was more nauseous and gross feeling than any of my other pregnancies. So even for people who don't have morning sickness, each pregnancy will be different. So that's a great point. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move into maybe second and third trimester as you're starting to feel babies kick and what's going on. Got any myths to debunk? Let's think. Um, Well, I guess this would go for your whole pregnancy. So it would include second trimester about eating for two, right? You've probably heard that, right? I was just just thinking about that one as we were talking about food. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to conceive. That's definitely one that we need to bring up. (laughs) Yeah. So eating for two, it's true that you are eating for two because you are growing a baby, but it's so important to remember that this baby that you're growing is tiny, right? And in that first trimester, it's we're talking about the size of like a pea. And in the second yeah. trimester, not much more. So um, so you, you're not really eating for two. You just need to eat a little more. And you're, we're talking about like a 300 calories extra, you know, throughout your pregnancy, certainly in the second trimester. Um, it might be a little less in the first trimester, especially if you're nauseous and maybe a little more in the last trimester. But um, this this idea that we have license to eat anything that we want and as much as we want throughout our pregnancy because we're eating for two is definitely not it's not true. And it's it's probably not a good idea to just go crazy and eat eat whatever you want. And, and yeah. if you think about it, 300 calories is nothing. It's right? really not. It's, it's really, really not. Nothing. It's like a like a peanut butter piece of peanut butter toast. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, no, it's, it's total. It's like my breakfast that I ate this morning was like a little bit, a little bit less, but yeah, no, absolutely. Let's talk about gender and uh-huh. gender myths. That's a whole, that's a lot of, there's a lot of myths with gender and Hey, you're carrying this way. You 
might you you have a boy or you're you you have these symptoms and you might have a girl. So give me you got any gender myths because people are always asking about that. <laughs> it's I love gender myths because yeah. well first of all they're so much fun right there's no harm in it. Yes. Um, yes. And so there's so many. So if you're carrying all in the front, you're going to have a boy. If you're carrying in your hips, you're going to have a girl. If your nose gets wider, it's definitely a girl. If you feel nauseous, um, you're definitely having a girl. What, what are some of the other ones? There, there, there there's so many. And I will tell you, you heard it from me here first, guys, um, these, these, these myths are, will be 50, will be, will be correct 50% of the time. So Which means, means they're not correct at all. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And and I love it because they're fun to do. I I yeah. remember with my first pregnancy, so I was still um, working in television, as I mentioned earlier, and I would take the subway yeah. in Manhattan every single day to work. And it was the afternoon, so it wasn't so crowded. And people would stop me all the time and say, oh, you are carrying a boy. You're carrying on the front. I, you, you know, you, this, that, and the thing. You are. Yeah. I've never seen someone carry a boy as much as you are right now. And we, we did not find out what, what this child was before um, this child was born. I'm trying not to give it away. And, um, <laughs> but we were so convinced that it was going to be a boy because everybody was telling that to me. Yeah. And in the delivery room, we have this on video. I you know, push out my baby and the doctor says, it's a girl. And you hear my yeah. husband say, what? Are you sure? <laughs> because we were so convinced that it was a boy. So, so that was wrong. And um, I've carried four different ways and I have four daughters. So um, ah, they're there. I, I know. I have to ask, how do you carry four different ways? What does that even mean? Like <laughs> it's so true. one was out front and one was to the side and one was this way. <laughs> it's true. I, I misspoke. I, I They were all in the tummy. <laughs> um, no, you're I, good. You're good. <laughs> they were all in the tummy. But you know, the reason why we carry, just as, as an aside, the reason why we carry differently with each pregnancy, or even if we don't, but 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 we might, because our body, again, it's sort of like what we were talking about before with the nausea. Your body is not used to being pregnant the first time around. And then afterwards, your muscles are a little looser and, you know, maybe your core is not as tight and um, the joints have loosened throughout pregnancy. So that may impact a second or subsequent pregnancy. Um, you know, you're, you're carrying around a toddler or a preschooler or something yeah. when you're pregnant the second time or third time. And so, and we also are getting older. So even if you're your body shape is the same, um, you might be carrying slightly and higher or lower, a little more wide, a little yes. more in the front. And every baby is a different size also. So that will impact how true. you're carrying as well. True, true. So there probably is like a probably 10 different ways to carry a baby, let's be honest. <laughs> right, <laughs> I feel like true. with mine, yeah, I feel like with mine, so my first, I, ha- I have two boys and my first one was lower and I feel like I carried them both fairly forward out in front, not, not to the side. Um, but my first one was definitely like way lower. If you look back at pictures and I, so I shared, you know, on my social media, like side by sides and, and this, my second one was so much higher. And we both, both times we didn't find out, um, gender. And my second one was so much higher that, I mean, literally almost every single person thought I was having a girl because it just and I thought it was having a girl because of just the way that I carried it was so different for my first one and I just felt a lot different I mean I had two like very very opposite pregnancies um 
but yeah, no, definitely both boys. See, and I, <laughs> I love that. So, <laughs> so, you, so you have all boys, I have all girls. And so we are living yeah. proof that these gender myths yep. are just not true. But yeah, they are myths. They're not, but they're fun to play with. And so enjoy it, they but are. don't take it seriously. Like don't, don't paint the nursery based on these myths because no, that's please probably don't. not smart. <laughs> Please don't. Please don't. Yeah. And I have another gender myth, too. So you can 100% of the time tell the gender of a baby by ultrasound. That is usually how you tell how you find out the gender. But we they're definitely still still today. uh, Sometimes sometimes they get it wrong. So just just a heads up. That's not 100, 100 (laughs) percent. Probably the only way 100% is through, <laughs> um, through you know, genetic testing. And that will get you the answer right, you want right. for sure. But it's true. Ultrasound. <laughs> that will get you the answer or when your baby comes out and you look. <laughs> that, will right. <laughs> that will definitely get you the answer. You know, it's funny because before we were talking about fertility myths, and there's also, since we're on the topic of gender, there are also a lot of myths or stories oh, or yeah. techniques that you can, that people suggest that you can, um, you know, try for a boy or try for a girl. Oh, yeah, let's let's try let's talk about that because I'm always in I've always been interested in that. Tell me what you yeah. have to say about about the about trying to conceive a girl versus a boy and if those are really myths. So there's so there's a few different methods that that you know promise that if you follow this to the letter of the law, you will definitely yeah. have a boy or definitely have a girl. And a lot of it has yeah. to do with positions of sex when you're trying to conceive and um, who has orgasm first or second or what you should be eating, which we talked about already. Um, and that, that sort of uh, continues into if you should eat sort of this type of food if you want boys, that type of food if you want girls. And what's so interesting about all these methods is that, is that they're contradictory, <laughs> which um, like some say that, you know, that you have to be in missionary position for a girl and man on top yeah. uh, and woman on top for a boy or vice versa. And the fact that they're all um, contradictory, um, I think, is sort of proof that they're just myths. Um, and yeah. and they're, it's, they're, again, 50% of the time it will work. <laughs> so um, don't, yeah. don't, you know, go to the bank with it. But um, you could yeah. certainly have fun trying while you're trying. Yeah, exactly. I mean, hey, you might as well, might, might as well try. This episode of the Mommy Labor Nurse podcast was brought to you by Mommy Labor Nurse. I've seen it in the delivery room time and time again. Mamas that complete some kind of childbirth education before they're due have a more positive birth. So then why do less than one third of all moms take a birth class? Probably because so many of the options out there are either way too expensive, super inconvenient, or just don't offer mamas really what they need. That's why I created the Birth It Up online birthing classes. With Birth It Up, you'll gain the in-depth knowledge and confidence you need to have a better birth from the comfort of your own home at a price point that can't be beat. Head on over to mommylabornurse.com backslash courses to find the birth class that's right for you. And now let's get into this week's episode. I always get this one um, that ma that you can't sleep on your back while you're pregnant Mm. and that one I've done a post on that so that's somewhat a myth but not exactly a myth do you want to elaborate on that absolutely so um it is somewhat a myth in the sense that after the fourth month you don't want to spend prolonged periods of time on your back because as the weight of 
your uterus and the baby gets bigger and heavier. Um, spending too much time on the back can compress some of those really vital organs and your vena cava, which is your main blood supply to your body. Yeah. So you don't want to be doing that in general. If you fall asleep on your back, the good news is that your body will wake you up before anything really dangerous happens. Right. So it's not it's not a problem. As an extension of that myth is that you have to sleep on your left side. And yeah. while it's true that sleeping on your side is much better than sleeping on your back for the reasons I just mentioned, um, and while it's true that sleeping on your left side is slightly better because of the position of your organs in your body, so on the left side you are kind of uh, avoiding some of the more vital organs, the truth is, is that your right side is completely fine as well. And if you're more comfortable on your right side, go for it. Don't even think twice about it. Don't even worry about it because um, there's nothing magical about the left side. Yeah, no, I can, I can totally second that. I, I, I like almost physically can't sleep on my left side because I just, I don't know. I just have always slept on my right side and sometimes I'll wake up on my back and then I roll over to my right side and I keep sleeping. Um, and that's also, I think one of those gender myths as well, that like, if you sleep on the right side, I don't even know which one it is, but it's, if you sleep on this side, you're supposed to have a boy or you're supposed to have a girl. I so, never heard of that one. That's, one. Yeah, I that's, never heard that. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, wow. that's definitely one. I remember uh, when I was pregnant doing a, um, uh, putting out a box for people and, and someone put that in there that like, oh, if you sleep on this side, you know, you're supposed to be having a boy. And I've seen it on some of those little printouts that you can do with where you circle, you know, the sides, boy is <laughs> no morning sickness. And, and it's like, which side do you sleep on left, right? And I, like I said, I can't remember which gender is which side, but yeah. <laughs> For some reason, that's on there too, which is a total myth. So, yeah, that is a myth. I never right. even heard of that one, but I do like it. It's cute. It's cute to yeah. add to the list. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, let's um, let's move into like as we're getting closer to labor, because there are quite a few myths uh, about inducing labor, like yes. eating spicy foods or mm -hmm. doing this, that, and the other. So, Sharon, you want to? you want to talk about some of those myths? Because there are quite a few. <laughs> oh, there are quite a few, and they are also fun. So you mentioned yeah. eating spicy food. That's definitely a very popular one. If you eat spicy food, you will yeah. go into labor. Um, if you eat pineapple, you will go into labor. If you um, do yoga or acupuncture, it will put you into labor. Those are those yeah. are some of the fun ones. And um, there's, there's other – well – well, th those are some of the fun ones, right? And and those are just yeah. anecdotal. They're not supported by any science or evidence. So it could be because you could. I, I know that you've probably heard from hundreds of moms, and I certainly have as well, where they say, no, 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 what happened for me? I was doing yoga and eating spicy food, and the next day I oh, went into yeah. labor. <laughs> and oh, and it's yeah. just probably a coincidence. It's you know if, if you're if it's time if you're about if you're at term and you're going to be going into mm -hmm. labor soon then it's a coincidence that it that you happen to, you know, be doing this or eating that and you went into labor. So those oh, are the yeah, fun no, ones. Totally. Yeah. So there there's this is um this is an interesting one about sex, right? You always hear about um yeah. if you have a lot of sex, you'll go into labor. Um and the reason that this theory um, has come about is because of the prostaglandins in the semen, which are similar to prostaglandins that actually um help your cervix ripen and then jumpstart contractions. 
So um, unfortunately, um, the studies have shown that the, the level of prostaglandins in the semen are not high enough to actually jumpstart those contractions. So, um, and, and there was even one study that found that women who had any amount of sex towards the end of their pregnancies actually went into labor later than those women who didn't oh, no. have sex. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, no. Don't say that too loud. <laughs> I'm sure that would like make some people mad. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, there's nothing wrong with having labor right up to the end. Yeah. And, you know, as long as you're yeah. comfortable. Um, and it's not, and this was a study, it's a small study, and it just, um, it just found that it, the, the study was actually, yeah, it was actually looking at the, the safety of sex during labor. And so it, yeah. the findings were reassuring from that perspective that you can have lots of sex and it won't necessarily put you into labor. So don't worry about it. But when you flip yeah. it to, you know, when we're talking about how to get yourself into labor, it can be disappointing to many women. Yeah. And many partners too, I'm sure. Exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. So all of um, those well, labor myths, they're just myths and they're just not really true. Yeah. There are some things that do get you into labor. Do you want to talk about those? The ones that actually possibly do? Sure. Sure. I mean, the one that I know of is just it being the right time yeah, <laughs> and medications. <laughs> right. Well, those will definitely work. Yes. Uh, obviously Pitocin will get you into labor or, or, you know, prostaglandin gel will help ripen your cervix, but there are, there's, there's two interesting ones. Um, one of them is um, eating dates. There has been a study oh, yeah. that found that if you eat six dates a day, starting at 36 weeks pregnant pregnancy, um, it can help stimulate those uterine contractions. So I don't, I don't know. If, I don't know if you'd be able to do it, but I don't think I could eat six dates a day. That's a lot of sugar. I don't think I could. I, you know what that, and now that you say that, that one is in my course and I'm sure the next one you're going to talk about is, is in there as well, um, that we added. But yeah, I remember trying to do the dates. I didn't, I didn't even try it with my second one because I, again, could not do six dates a day. I remember trying it with my first one though. And I, they, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just because they're so sweet. But I was like, I cannot even eat two of these. Like, right. oh, like no, they're, thank yeah. you. <laughs> exactly. They so, are very sweet. Yeah. And so maybe if you it. cook them into food or something, you won't taste it as much. Yeah, I don't know. Or, you know what? I've seen people do it in like a smoothie. Um, mm. So I thought about doing that too, but I was like, nah, I'll just, nah, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually, that's actually a great idea to do it in a smoothie, but still six dates is a yeah. lot. So you'll have to have that's a lot, lot of smoothies. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of, yeah. Yeah. So the other one is nipple stimulation. Is that the one you were thinking yes. of? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And that's one that's good in labor too, to get your contractions going. I tell people that all the time when they're here for induction. I'm like, Hey, Get do do your little nipple stimulation. Get your contractions yeah. a little stronger. <laughs> it's 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 such an interesting thing. I mean, it makes sense as to why that would happen. Yeah. But um, the studies show that you have to actually um, well, first you your body has to be primed for labor, so it's not going to yeah. um, work if you know. Yes, as you're describing, it will work when you're actually in the hospital, um, you know, in labor already. But it's not yeah. going to work if your body's not ready at all. But you're supposed to. Um, like tweak your nipples for a few hours every day to get enough oxytocin, yeah, uh, you know, out. Uh, so again, like the dates, I mean, if you're really eager to get labor started, you could try it, but, but oh, this takes a lot of dedication <laughs> to, yeah. for this one to work. Yeah. And that one too. Um, I know when, when we talk about that one, we talk about antenatal, um, milk storage and milk collection that that 
you can, I mean, that this isn't a myth or a fact, it doesn't align with our myth and facts uh, topic, but that's just something that I thought about whenever we talk about nipple stimulation before labor is that is something that you can do is if you're starting to have uh, milk come out, you can collect it and freeze it for after birth. Um, it's, you, you know, it's probably not going to be a whole lot, but it'll be a little bit and you can definitely use it. And now that I'm thinking about it, that's another myth is that you don't start making milk until after your baby's born. Your boobs can definitely leak during pregnancy and it can happen pretty darn early too. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's true. So it's not like full milk, but it's colostrum, which is that pre-milk and yeah. it's, um, it'll be thin and yellow or sometimes thick and yellow or clear. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's definitely there really, it could be their whole last trimester, uh, in some women. And you might notice it on you know, the inside of your bra or, or certainly if you're tweaking your nipples, you'll, or even during sex, you might notice it there. Um, yeah. and it's perfectly normal. And, and, you know, some moms get worried about that, but it's, it's definitely, um, it's, it's actually a great sign because it shows that your body is, is gearing up for yeah. the next stage, which is breastfeeding. Um, yeah. And, so- and you know what? I remember my, I had it, I didn't have very much leakage with my first one and I had a, a more with my second one. I had a, I have a good milk supply with my, with my second one. Not as much. I had to work harder with my first one. Um, so I would wonder if it is indicative of, you know, a good milk supply if you're having leakage. Not just not to say that if you don't have any leakage, you won't have a good milk supply. But I don't right, know, maybe it's turning some things on, right? <laughs> right. No, definitely true. I think it's important for us to say that you know, if you don't notice any leaking, it doesn't matter at all because you know yeah. your body will know what to do after birth. Yeah. But um, but it could be what you're describing. It could also be that. Like we were talking about earlier, when you're d- doing it the second time around, your body's like, oh, okay, I, I, we've been through this before. I know, I know what comes next. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just going to get a jump start on it. Yeah, no, I love it. Well, let's finish up with, you got any postpartum myths? And I'm sure, I'm sure there are. Are postpartum I'm myths. trying to think I'm like yeah. I still feel I'm six months postpartum so I'm <laughs> I think you get I to call yourself postpartum for a whole year right Isn't that's that what I, I I'm gonna just call myself we're all I feel like you're always postpartum if you had a baby you just you, you can <laughs> You can you can blame some things on postpartum. <laughs> exactly. Let's think postpartum myths. Well, there's one postpartum myth that I can think of really right off the bat, and that is that bonding will happen right away. Right? There's oh, always yeah. this this idealized version, you know, in the movies where the mom is, you know, panting through her contractions. The baby's born. They hand her the baby, yeah. and ah, you know, the angels come out and sing, and butterflies and rainbows everywhere, and and you just love this new infant that you're handed. And the truth is, is that it does happen for some women like that. And for many women, it doesn't because it, it, you, if you know, look, you're exhausted from labor, you're exhausted from your pregnancy, you're exhausted from this new, this caring for this new baby. And the bonding doesn't happen right away. And, and I always, I always like try to tell moms, like, don't feel bad about it because love and bonding happens over time, right? The more you give to somebody, the more you interact with this child, the more you get to know this child. And so over time, and it it doesn't have to happen the first day, the first week, the first six weeks, it will happen eventually. And um, everybody, just like every baby is different, every mom and baby uh, interaction is different. And so your bonding will happen on your own unique timeline. And so um, it's a myth to think that, the second your baby is born, you're going to be overcome with this sense of joy and overwhelm and love and yeah. um, just feel like a mom because it's, that's just really, really not true. 
And and we could say the same about breastfeeding, which we were just talking about. Yeah. We we think that breastfeeding, because it's such a natural thing to do, that it just comes naturally to to moms, but it doesn't. And, um, or at least not always. And there's certainly a myth that, that is perpetuated, um, you know, among moms, you know, you watch another mom who just very easily, you know, puts her baby to the breast and the baby just starts suckling. And, and yes, that does happen for some new moms, but it doesn't happen for every new mom. And sometimes it takes Mm -hmm. a couple of weeks of trial and error and, and really learning the ropes and, and that's okay too. Yeah, I think that's a myth in and of itself that breastfeeding is easy and is natural uh, from the get-go, right? I mean, because right. it, it's definitely not. It takes a lot of work and a lot of just education and knowing, you know, and then it's a, and it's a big learning curve. I'm, I'm constantly like preaching that to my, to my audience that if you plan on breastfeeding, definitely do some education and know that there's like just a huge, huge learning curve. I mean, even with my second one, I learned uh, learned new things you know breastfeeding a second child that I didn't that I didn't realize the first time around and just in 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 everything that I do too and all the education that I provide I learn learn definitely learn some new things personally so yeah that's yeah that's I love I love that because even someone like you you're an expert and you're yeah. still learning and I think that that's oh, all the time yeah and I love and it's so true what you said about getting educated so I offer um, yeah. a breastfeeding course and I encourage like yeah. moms will always say when should I take it I, I always say take it before you deliver so that you yep. can and then and then rewatch it again after you know the baby is born and it's so important because we do have this idealized version of what's going to happen as soon as we 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 try to nurse our baby and and it's it's not so easy it's really not easy and it's a learning curve and you know because the milk doesn't come in right away and because if you're not understanding the whole notion of supply and demand and how breast milk actually is is um, produced that that could again like feed into other myths and and mistruths and uh, misunderstandings and so with breastfeeding in particular because if you are armed with the right information um, and the know-how then you could at least try and if it doesn't work or if you decide it's not for you that's fine but at least um, you know try because you know what to do as opposed to try without any clue and then give up because you you haven't gotten the education that could help you be successful in it. Yeah, no, totally second everything you just said. Absolutely. Well, Sharon, thank you so much for joining me today. This was a really fun episode. Can you, you talked about a breastfeeding course. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you on social media and tell us anything that, that you have to offer or anything that you're working on? Absolutely. So I am um, at Sharon Maisel, just my name on Instagram. And, um, and my website is SharonMaisel.com. I offer um, private parenting coaching um, that I do with with moms and dads really across the world. And it's so much fun to do that. I also offer a newborn basics class, a breastfeeding basics class, a sleep basics class. And um, I will soon have a feeding solids class and a toilet training class available. So you can find that on my Instagram or on my website. And um, I have some other exciting projects that are not ready for prime time yet, but um, definitely will be posting about those on my IG account. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much again for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for all that you do. It's so much fun to to follow you and to see your your fun stuff and your cute kids. (laughs) Thank you. 
All right, so that is it for this episode of the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. You probably follow me on Instagram because that's probably where you came from. But if you don't, head over to Instagram and follow me at mommy.labornurse for more. That is certainly where I am most active. I also now have a separate Instagram for just this podcast. So I encourage you to follow my second account at mommylabornurse.podcast as well if you want podcast updates. Again, that is at mommylabornurse.podcast. As always, you guys know that I also have a website where I have tons of articles all about pregnancy, birth, breastfeeding, newborn stuff, and more at www.mommylabornurse.com. I want to hear more from you on how much you love this episode of the podcast or how you think I can improve. So leave me a comment on one of my pictures, send me a DM, or send me an email with all the love. All right, guys, I will see you same time, same place next week.